0: Welcome to Tapeheads. I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Lindsay. This is a podcast where we watch a movie from either Sean's VHS collection or my VHS collection, and then we talk about it.
0: And these are robust collections. We're talking childhood VHS tapes. Uh, ones that we've accumulated off the street over the years, <laughs> uh, ones that we found at Amoeba or other such places where you can find VHSs for like a dollar. Now, I just have one question. It's regarding the uh, title of this podcast. Just to clear up any confusion, this is okay. not a John Cusack fan cast. Are you uh, sure?
1: Because you're kind of a John Cusack I,
0: fan. I am a little bit of a Cusack head. Uh but this has no relation to the John Cusack, Tim Robbins joint where they're playing music video producers. We may do that movie someday, <laughs> but not today. Uh what movie are we doing today? We are going to watch Surf Ninjas. And this is your pick. This is from your VHS collection.
1: It, yes. (laughs) This is a
0: movie that you grew up with. I, myself, did not. This was my first time watching Surf Ninjas. I'm
1: actually kind of upset that you've never seen it before. I know. It's
0: one of those movies like Three Ninjas. I missed out on all the ninja movies. I did not grow up with Three Ninjas or The Karate Kid or all these...
1: You also never watched any kung fu movies or anything, right?
0: Martial arts were just lost on me as a kid, except for Mortal Kombat and Power Rangers. Rangers.
1: That helps a little bit, I guess. It doesn't make up for it, though.
0: So, I guess this is our first episode of Tapeheads. Mm-hmm. I guess the big question that folks at home will be wondering is why VHS? Why are we bothering to do this, uh, dusting off this old format and watching movies this way when there's so many better ways to watch them?
1: Like Laserdisc.
0: Yeah, like Laserdisc.
1: Mm-hmm. Or beta
0: beta is also acceptable mini dv tape so why vhs
1: i don't know we talked about this a lot i think one of the things is that it was just kind of like i don't know you feel like you're traveling through time it's watching like watching this tonight i just kind of really felt like i was transported back to being a kid and getting excited about it all over again
0: yeah i know what you mean a lot of my favorite films growing up i discovered on vhs um I guess we should out ourselves a little bit. We're both children of the 90s. Yeah. We're both very much the VHS generation.
1: Born in the 80s, but it doesn't count because it was right at the end.
0: I mean, I think that both our families had massive VHS collections. Well, I know yours did. You because, still do. <laughs> because I've seen the grocery bags filled with VHS tapes. Uh, uh, that's not but, even half of them. Yeah, i i I have a feeling that we're in for some good stuff. So, you know... First episode, movie podcast, VHS. I think we got it. Let's talk about Surf Ninjas. What's what's the deal with this movie?
1: How do I describe it? It's just so beautiful. It stars Leslie Nielsen, Rob Schneider, uh, Ernie Jr. Ryes Jr. He's actually still in movies, which the kid who played his little brother is not. I don't even remember his name.
0: And there's also a great tagline on the front, Surf's Up, Time to Save the World.
1: Except they're not saving the world. They're saving a very small island nation.
0: That's true. Uh, Patusan is the island nation in the film. Uh, Before we get into the... uh Movie itself, there were some ads before the movie started yeah. on, on your VHS copy of Surf Ninjas. The first one we had was Mr. Nanny, the Hulk Hogan vehicle. Have you ever seen Mr. Nanny? No, I've only
1: seen it on that trailer on that tape.
0: I I haven't seen it either. Maybe we should make it a future episode. But basically, <laughs> oh <God>. to <laughs> basically That's to describe what happens in this trailer is it opens with Hulk Hogan just getting brutalized by like bowling balls and electricity these little kids are just torturing him
1: small children yeah
0: small children are torturing Hulk Hogan and i guess it's supposed to be funny in a home alone sort of way but you're just dropped into this scenario
1: Hulk... it's kind of weird cuz they call him Mr. Nanny and so you think oh, okay he's the nanny he's like a nice person but
0: he literally says i hate kids oh. and then the narrator says <laughs> yes, he's not Then the narrator of this trailer says, What these kids need is a hand that socks the cradle. And then it goes from the kids beating the crap out of Hulk Hogan to Hulk Hogan beating the crap out of the kids.
1: That sounds like a nice family (laughs) movie.
0: So yeah, I I would say based on that trailer, it's uh it's it's worth checking out. It
1: really was a string of movies in the '90s where kids beat up adults, though. That yeah, was it wasn't a just thing.
0: it wasn't just Home Alone. It seemed like there was a whole subgenre of that.
1: Yeah, you didn't see it, but Three Ninjas they were definitely beating up adults all the time.
0: And in this movie, Surf this nin- movie. Surf Ninjas definitely falls into that that subgenre. Um, there was one other commercial.
1: Very appropriate.
0: Very appropriate. The, the new line is clearly targeting uh, Surf Ninja's fans with these ads. The second ad was for a little film called... Mortal
1: Kombat.
0: Mortal Kombat! And <laughs> it was a great ad. I've seen this movie. I know how bad the CGI is. I know it's not a good film, but this ad got me pumped to see this yeah. movie.
1: Did you play the video game as a kid? Oh yeah. Okay, good.
0: So, this is your movie, Lindsay. Why, why don't you? Uh, why don't you recap it for us? Why don't you tell us? So we're you know we're pumped up after seeing ads for Mr. Nanny and Mortal Kombat. Yeah. What happens next?
1: Um, it opens with a beautiful surfing scene set to, as I remember correctly, Van Halen. Right. mm Hmm. Yeah. So you get some. Uh, you get some real good rock in there and it just really sets up the movie so well it's essentially like it's an action comedy aimed for at children these kids love to surf they're very california they'd say dude it's all kinds of um slang throughout the movie some of some of (laughs) some of it that we forgot
0: yeah, like later on.
1: I always thought it was just later, but then you, and you pointed that out. In I the 90s, know.
0: they would put the word on after later. They would also say psych a lot. Like when you're talking to a parent and yeah. you say, I love you, psych. I they think... do that to their foster dad.
1: But essentially, these were the coolest kids ever. And then it turns out, the big twist is that they're actually royalty- um Leslie Nielsen was a very evil man who uh, took over their small island nation home, killed their parents, and just became a dictator. And so the all the legends is spelled out that they have to go back, start a revolution, and take back the island.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting when I actually think about the movie, it's kind of dark because it's a bunch of ninjas trying to murder these yeah. kids.
1: Exactly, ninjas dressed in camo, and then later in tiger print and <laughs> yes. animal print.
0: Later, they show up in animal print. It's great. <laughs> so, who are these kids? There's there's three main kids.
1: There's three main kids. they are the uh, the two descendants of royalty, and Rob Schneider, who is our. Like, typical useless but
0: funny friend. He is so useless. I kept on waiting for him to redeem himself, but he's useless throughout the movie. His arc is being useless.
1: All the ninjas and then Le- Leslie Nielsen, they were kind of like hinting all the bad guys were sort of Japanese, but Leslie Nielsen is really not.
0: There's this running gag where... People are calling Colonel Chi on his phone, the his landline, and he always runs to, to get to it before the uh answering machine catches yeah. it. And his 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 message on his answering machine is so deadpan. It's just Leslie Nielsen telling you that he's not there and uh Don't and, hang up. Don't, yeah, don't hang up. <laughs> and it's funny because for such a fearsome ruler, they sure do walk all over him and they, they definitely are constantly yeah. hanging up on him.
1: I think part of the thing with Leslie Nielsen as the bad guy is you don't take him seriously, and you're not afraid at any point in the movie. So it's almost like, as a kid, I was, I was thinking back, and I was thinking why I love this movie so much, and I think it's because it's so comfortable and comforting to watch. You're never worried about the kids actually dying or losing out to the enemy, because, well, he's just obviously going to goof up and fail.
0: Yeah, there's pretty much no stakes to this movie. Um, You you pretty much are sure that they're going to be fine. I don't think that any of the good guys die at any point. Um, no. And another thing, that the, another interesting wrinkle and in this, another side character, with all these dead ninjas scattered across L.A., a certain detective comes on the scene.
1: <laughs> you were so excited when he appeared.
0: So the detective is played by Tone Lock. <laughs> if you don't know who that is, you should Google Tone Lock right away. He plays the one of the most interesting characters in that he's this hardened kind of cliche LA cop he's always drawing his gun and running up ramps and and you know really trying to get to the bottom of this case but inexplicably halfway through the movie he just kind of joins their team and like becomes like their number two guy in this raid of the island yeah. and he just suddenly is caught up on all the mythology of Patu Son and all these like mystical Which ideas and
1: didn't make any sense because he's knocked out at one point where he's trying to stop the kids from being kidnapped and they're like no we're going to save this mystical island and then he's unconscious it seems like he's unconscious for a while and then he just wakes up and is suddenly talking about how you know he has to help them meet their destiny
0: he misses all the exposition for the movie (laughs) but he somehow just intuitively knows i think at one point he says that he hasn't had a vacation in 17 months
1: yeah he also hinted at there being more that he was missing out on than a vacation, well, you think he was
0: just trying to get laid, right I, I th- yeah, I
1: think he was I think he was looking at
0: and, the tail. you know. Where else but Paw on? Tell us about the little brother's abilities, because he's a psychic, right? How does that He's a psychic,
1: and his powers express themselves through his Sega Game Gear, (laughs) which I think I just love, too. I feel like the creators of the film were like, we're so on it, we're so cool, we have them using all this slang, and they're like, psych out to all the adults, and then he's got the Sega Game Gear, which didn't go anywhere.
0: (laughs) The Sega Game Gear predicts the future.
1: For example, when this starts happening, there are ninjas that kill the cops outside of their house that are trying to keep them safe, and he sees this happen on his Game Gear, and then they look out the window, and there are the dead cops.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's not so much a seer as his Sega Game Gear is a seer for most of the...
1: Yeah, at the end of the film, his Game Gear stopped working, and he ended up having to use the power within before yeah. he used the game gear to just toss it at Leslie Nielsen <laughs> or like some bad guy. Actually.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, he th- I think he does throw it at Leslie Nielsen. I mean, that's you know, I wonder how much Sega paid to become you I have know, no the idea. handheld game sponsor of surf ninjas. It did
1: not save them.
0: Another thing that I found interesting about this movie, completely unironically, like it's amazing what a multicultural cast this is. Yeah. I mean, Rob Schneider And Leslie Nielsen are pretty much the only white guys in the entire movie. Oh, I guess and the stepdad.
1: But Rob Schneider is a little bit Filipino.
0: Yeah, you were telling me that earlier. That's pretty... It's pretty multi culty.
1: Yeah, which is kind of interesting given things like Three Ninjas where they cast white kids as the main roles and had them, you know... Fighting off Japanese guys, they had a Japanese grandfather out of nowhere.
0: I think the only modern day equivalent to this kind of cast is the Fast and the Furious movies. Like they're really? the only, yeah. That the, and those movies were kind of famous for. I mean, like Paul Walker is the only white guy in in especially the recent ones. It's a very multicultural cast. That. Yeah.
1: Good job, Fast and the Furious and Surf Ninjas for representing people of color. <laughs>
0: This is a strange world that this movie exists in, right from the beginning, even before all the crazy uh, mythology shows up. Like, there's a few trends that are happening in this movie's version of L.A., uh, and one of which really caught your eye. <laughs> Moto surf. Now, for the folks at home, what is moto surf?
1: You essentially get in your car, and hopefully, you have a Jeep because Jeeps were big in this movie. And <laughs> yeah, you, everyone has a Jeep. You stand up, and you've got paddles, but you yell out, Moto Surf! And then you just paddle down the streets of LA. Uh, pretending that you're surfing your car with paddles. I didn't know people surfed with paddles.
0: At one point, it seems like Rob Schneider, when he's moto-surfing, he's steering, he's got his foot on the steering wheel, and no one is working the pedals. No,
1: <laughs> I didn't think about that, but I think you're it's, right.
0: It's kind of like ghost riding the whip. Yeah, only you're motosurfing.
1: I guess. I guess they just go on that sheer momentum of the vehicle. But you know, this is serious business because they get to school and there's a kid that's getting a ticket from the from a police officer for motosurfing. But and
0: the cops, ha- the cop has this like hilarious desperation about him. It's like, oh, I just can't stop these kids from motosurfing. <laughs> and
1: I really feel like this. This was not a phenomenon. I, I know I was probably too young to experience it, but I really don't think anyone moto-surfed. Uh, I do love that they did bring it to the island, though. When they go to battle Leslie Nielsen at the end, they're all moto-surfing on their way. <laughs> You know, and they took the title Surf Ninjas really seriously. They opened the movie with surfing, they create moto surfing as a thing, and then on the island, when they're on the island going into that final confrontation, the only way that they can get to the island because they've uh, destroyed their boat is by...
0: Surfing? Of course. And I love how they handle that because there's all these, like, pieces of wood around. One of the kids, either Johnny or Adam, asks if Patu-san... Is known for their woodworking skills, which of course they are. Yeah. And there's not even a montage of making the surfboards. It's just a bunch just of done. <laughs> yeah, it's done almost immediately, and immediately they're all great at surfing.
1: Yeah. No, I also like that a few of them looked extra tan after the surfboards were made. I guess they were making the <laughs> surfboards in the sun or something.
0: You're right. <laughs>
1: Uh, then we see that, what is it, Johnny is also the buffest 16-year-old I've ever seen. He
0: is ripped. <laughs> it's kind of insane. I mean, I guess he and his dad are yeah. are real-life martial art uh, experts. So. Yeah,
1: and they're both in the movie together. His dad plays his uncle, Zatch, the uh, homeless ninja man that saves them and <laughs> leads them to the island yeah lets them know their destiny
0: another interesting element is this arranged marriage that we find out about that's kind of if that's handled very weirdly his bride-to-be is played by kelly who who uh i guess would later on be in the scorpion king it's kind of an arbitrary thing that there's this arranged marriage in the thick of all this Uh and it's clear that there's sparks between johnny and this girl um what was her name again did you catch it
1: Oh, shoot, I don't
0: remember. Was it Betty? Like, he calls her Betty, but I don't know if that's, like, <laughs> a 90s a, thing. I think
1: that's a 90s slang term. Did,
0: were we just running around calling people Betty and Psych and...
1: I think so. Um, psych was so big, I completely forgot about that. Like, little kids in the 90s were assholes.
0: <laughs> they really were. And basically, there's this scene where... Let's just call her Betty, because they do call her Betty at one point. She s- says to Johnny, like, hey, I'm my own woman, We're not getting married... Huh? Um, but I'm still way into you, and let's date. And I think they end up getting married anyway. But it's just kind of yeah. thrown in there to let you know, hey, she's her own person.
1: That ending was really unclear because they just jump from them battling it out and killing off Leslie Nielsen, murdering him in
0: cold blood. Really?
1: Yeah, <laughs> electrifying <laughs> him. throw to an death. old
0: man into a into a pool of water and he dies. <laughs> I, and I understand <laughs> it, but God, it's.
1: They didn't throw him. He just like tapped his head, and he, he tapped fell his head.
0: And he, I mean, I guess one thing that we've left out about Leslie Nielsen's character is he was in a brutal elephant accident where he was mm-hmm. trampled quite mercilessly. Yeah. So he's he's pretty much like uh, half man, half machine, and and you don't want to go dropping someone like that in water.
1: Yeah, He also kind of. I I don't know if you're supposed to feel a little sorry for him. He's so not threatening at all. He's just really not capable. He doesn't even succeed in hurting pretty much anybody except for Zach Zach Zach. Yeah. uh, Who he cuts the eye of so he can wear a cool eye patch for the rest of his life.
0: To address his age, I like that in all of the fight scenes he just has a gun. Yeah. And like at one point he just pulls this six shooter out. At another point, uh, Johnny is holding him at sword point and Leslie Nielsen drops his gun and he's like, this isn't a fair fight. You have your sword and I don't have my gun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Except that he has a robotic hand. Yeah,
0: and uh, I, I, my big takeaway is just how charming Leslie Nielsen is in anything.
1: Oh, he makes every film he's in. Well, oh. he made every film he was
0: in. Yeah, R.I.P.
1: But yeah no so the ending just skips to them in this all the ceremonial gear and we know not much time has passed because one of the enemies is still trying to climb up the million stairs that he fell down multiple times
0: one of the uh, one of just many hilarious running gags throughout surf ninjas yeah they
1: love pulling back to stuff they referenced earlier
0: and there's a great callback in the finale you know there's one of those classic sort of we're all we the, the good guys won we're all gonna celebrate with this huge powwow there's a great callback to a certain musical number that uh kicked off the movie
1: Baba Ram so uh there's this visiting Dignitary, yeah. I suppose he is, and the uh, main guy, Johnny, is supposed to give a welcoming speech or kind of show for him as he's visiting the high school, and he completely forgot to arrange that. So last minute, he gets some guys to come out and sing a rendition of Barbara Ann, except they've changed it to Baba Ram so that it's this guy's name. Uh <laughs> As a kid, and I think for many years, I was convinced that the song was actually Baba Ram, and so when I'd hear it on the radio or something in the car, I'd sing along to it going, Baba Ram.
0: Well, they do that song twice, because the the visiting dignitary shows up again at the end in the island celebration. You know, at the beginning, he was offended by the song, but now he loves it, because he realizes... The friggin' chosen one was singing it. I
1: don't know if he was offended or just shocked and couldn't handle how cool uh, Johnny is.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of grown ups just not able to handle how radical these kids are throughout the movie. Not
1: at all. So, Sean, we've given this all a lot of thought. We've gone with a VHS theme for this podcast. Uh huh. And we've got a new rating system just for this.
0: Buy it, rent it. Or Tape Over It.
1: And I feel like it's sort of self-explanatory, but essentially, if we love it and want to watch it again, it's buy it. It's like, oh, it's fun to see, you know, pretty good. It's rent it. And if it's tape over it, it's garbage.
0: You are putting that little piece of tape over the sensor on the front of the tape. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And you're going to tape over that with, I don't know, yeah. like some Simpsons reruns or something. It
1: doesn't need to be seen by anyone.
0: So what's it gonna be? Buy it, rent it, or tape over it?
1: For me, it's definitely buy it. I still love it. I was so afraid that I wouldn't love it, but uh, I, I just I, I've been so disappointed by other things I saw as a kid. But this one held up for me.
0: Yeah, you know, if I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and say rent it. Just because I'm sorry. Just it's because okay. I didn't grow up with this movie. Um, however, I did enjoy it a great deal. I know if I grew up with this movie, I, my enjoyment of it would increase tenfold. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if it's one that I would want to see again and again and again. <laughs> it did entertain me. I was cracking up while we were watching it. Uh, there's a lot of things to enjoy. You know, we've, we've been really picking on Rob Schneider, but useless character though he may be, he has some great moments in this. This might be my favorite Rob Schneider performance, actually. I
1: think it's probably one of his this- best...
0: I mean, Detective Tone Lock is great. <laughs> There's a scene where he drives his cop car up to the ramp of a boat. You mentioned he could have just driven his cop car up the ramp, but he parks in front of the ramp. He runs up onto the boat, pulls his, his uh, gun, and then he says, man! And if it was a PG-13 movie, <laughs> I guess he'd be allowed to say, damn! Yeah. But uh, they,
1: they really <laughs> got around the swearing in this movie. Yeah. And mother! But yeah, no, it's it's always going to be a buy it for me. I'm going to see it when I'm 60 and I'm still going to laugh. <laughs> well, that about does it for this episode.
0: Yeah, so uh, we are releasing these first two episodes back to back. But after that, we're going to be doing episodes every other week. Mm-hmm. Um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Maybe you write us a nice little review. Maybe tell your friends about us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Check you can- out our website. Oh, yeah. And what is that website?
1: com. Or not. <laughs> what is it actually? Uh,
0: it's actually tapeheadspodcast.com. Uh, I think John Cusack owns tapeheads.com. Probably. We'd that. have to take it up with him. Um, thank you to Will Price for the use of his song Mandatory Groove. You can listen to more of Will's music at soundcloud.com slash gargantulon. That's G-A-R-G-A-N-T-U-L-O-N. You can also find links to his music on our site.
1: So, Sean, what are we going to be watching next?
0: Well, we're going to be dipping into my VHS collection next time with the 1985 classic, I think it's a classic, Commando. Oh, my God. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger hot off the success of Terminator, ready to make a shitty action movie. (laughs) I am very excited to check out this movie again because it's been a long time.
1: Well, my dad's going to be happy I'll finally see it because (laughs) it's his favorite movie.
0: It's his... I love your dad's taste in movies. We're going to have to have him on the show. All right. Well, anyway, I've been Sean.
1: And I've been Lindsay.
0: And until next time...